Resiliency Within, with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well-being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within. I, I, within. I'm your host, Elaine miller Karras, And today's show um, is honoring the wisdom of Indigenous people. And I am so grateful to have my guest today, and I'm going to introduce them in just, in just a minute. But I want to tell you a little bit more about what we're going to be talking about today. Um, first of all, November is National Native American Heritage Month, which pays tribute to the rich history and culture of the indigenous people of, of the Americas. In 2009, during President Barack Obama's first term in office, November became National Native American Heritage Month. Month. Um, Magdalena Sunshine Serrano is an indigenous woman of Serrano Apache and Tarahumara descent, and Juline A. Joseph, Jose rather, is an indigenous woman of the Tohono O'odham Nation who also serves the Pasquayaki tribe. Sunshine and Juline will share their perspectives and their wisdom about healing, hope, and empowerment in their communities. We can all, all learn from their collective wisdom. They both will also address how the community resiliency model is congruent to their organic views of healing. Over the last decade, the Trauma Resource Institute, our sponsor, has had the honor to learn about the true history of the indigenous people who lived in these lands prior to the Europeans who settled in the Americas. The suffering has been great, and the maltreatment of indigenous people has been a holocaust often not acknowledged, but also the strength and beauty of the diverse cultures and traditions of indigenous people will be discussed today, and the strength certainly has um, inspired me in so many different ways, and I hope that you will uh, be able to hear and listen very closely to the wisdom of both of my guests. So let me tell you a little bit first about Magdalena Sunshine Serrano. She's a licensed clinical social worker specializing in trauma-informed treatment with indigenous populations. She was born in Guadalupe, California, and she returned to the Central Coast in 2007 due to her desire to serve the local community. She has an associate's degree in liberal arts from Allen Hancock College, a bachelor's degree in sociology and American Indian studies from UCLA, and a master's degree um, of social work from USC. In 2015, she completed a public health program focused on health equity and community organizing in American Indian and indigenous populations from John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. She is the Director of Behavioral Health and Psychiatric Services of the Community Health Centers of the Central Coast and of California and oversees the Adolescent and Adult Mental Health Programs. In 2017, I'm, I'm so proud of you, Sunshine, you, she received the Latino Legacy Award for her contributions to increasing access to mental health treatment in Santa Barbara 
and San Luis Obispo counties. So over the last six years, Sunshine and the CHC Clinical Leadership Team has been committed to develop a culturally and linguistically inclusive care model where diversity is celebrated at all levels. Sunshine is currently a fellow, a California Healthcare Foundation Healthcare Leadership Program Fellowship, where she is focusing on the development of culturally and linguistically focused behavioral health integration models. Now, Juline A. Jose is doing so much to bring healing to her community, and she is a member, as I said, of the Tohono O'odham Nation. She is a resource coordinator of the Siwa Usam Community Partnership, Pasquayaki Health Department. And I love when she says this because she's a granddaughter, a daughter, a sister, a wife, a mother. She's been married for 18 years and has seven children with ages ranging from 21 years to 10 months old. She's also been on a journey in sobriety that reached 20 years in October. Jolene's background experience is very vast. It's been in early childhood parenting, prenatal and childhood development, adolescent sexual health, childhood trauma, domestic violence, sexual assault, and the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Girls Awareness Programs. She has been a CRIM teacher and has been a CRIM guy. That's the community resiliency model. We shorten it to CRIM for the last four years. And she has used the community resiliency model with youth, families, co-workers, and mostly in everyday life since learning the model. Um, the tangible experience has brought her much hope and transformation and growth. I love to quote her when she says these beautiful things that come come from her. So let's get started. I'm going to um, start by welcoming Juline and Sunshine to the show. And let's get started with just a first question to both of you. And that is, what's on your mind as we get started? We have a number of questions prepared, but I'm going to start with you first. Sunshine, what's on your mind? Oh, I just want to say thank you so much, Elaine, for this introduction. Um, Hello, everyone. My name is Magdalena Sunshine Serrano. I'm joining the show today from the ancestral homelands of the Chumash Somala people. Um, and I just want to thank you for, for inviting me to join this conversation. And the one thing that is just on my heart is that this conversation, I want to just acknowledge that it comes from a place of love and humility. Um you know, our lived experiences, our journey. And I'm just so grateful to have Jolene sitting alongside of me in this virtual room because the reality is our stories, our introductions reflect the diversity that we see in Indigenous communities. We are sisters from such different walks of life, but on the same path. And just just the way in which we can honor that today and that different lived experience, I think is, is such a powerful opening for people to really understand who we are and the, and just the diversity within indigenous communities. So, so just thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you, Sunshine, for what a, what a wonderful introduction. And now over to you, Julene, what would you like, what's on your mind today? Um, I'm just so grateful as well. I'm so honored, and I also am noticing the warmth in my heart as we're talking, and it's just bringing me some joy, and I just really, um, I just feel blessed to be here and to share and to really uh, honor our ancestors as well, and so I thank you for having me here today. Thank you, Jolene, and thank you both for being here to share that wisdom. So I want to start out by asking you a question about what is the meaning for you of the National Native American Heritage Month? So I'll start again with Sunshine, and then I'll come back to Jolene. 
So um, I think the fact that we are having an intentional pause throughout this month to really talk about what Native American folks have brought to our community. I believe that it's so vital now more than ever. I, I really think of 2020 as this year of reckoning um, for us as a generation of indigenous people to really lift up one another and share our truth. Um, our truth. I love that we're talking about heritage, which really does include history. Um, you know, from other conversations, we've talked about how so often Black, Indigenous communities of color's story has been told by someone else, right? It's a voice outside. And I feel like in these kind of spaces that you're creating today, Native Americans can tell our own story in our own words, in our own way. And in doing so, we truly do honor the gifts of our ancestors by celebrating Indigenous mm -hmm. knowledge our traditions, our language, our culture, our food, our music, the things that really are reflective of who we are that aren't like a snapshot of the past, but who we are today living and breathing, um, you know, in, in our bodies now. And the other thing that I'm so excited about, about you creating this space for is I can't highlight more the diversity. I mean, so many people do not realize that we're talking about 570 plus nations of people in the United, in California alone, there's over a hundred and I think 109 nations just in little California. And I think so often, um, you know, we are placed in a box and there's not an understanding of our rich diversity and story. So for me, this is a, a month of celebration, opportunity after opportunity to lift up and talk about who we are, who we've been, who we're going to be, who, are, who our generations are to come. And, and that for me is such a celebration. Um, and to be able to do so in a way with, with other women um, who, you know, hold so much of that family system together. So. Thank you, Sunshine, for your, for your insights. And, and how about for you, Julian? What does National Native American Heritage Month mean to you? For me, it's a recognition of our ancestors, um, bringing honor to them through my actions, um, through my actions of being a mother, through my actions of, you know, being a healer, um, and then just really looking at it like, you know, Sunshine said, like we have, there are so many nations, you know, that are out there and we're just re representing a few and you know, um, and I just feel honored, like I said, again, and I also feel like, um, you know, it brings a pride as a Native person, um, you know, that we're not forgotten. And, you know, we've, our history, our past of being, um, you know, trying to be wiped out. Uh, through genocide and whatnot and we are still here mm -hmm. and we are still standing strong stronger than ever and you know passing all of that strength you know to our young ones and to our families we serve and you know I just really feel that's so important um, to recognize that and even to for those who you know uh, maybe not know of their ancestry, um, to, to study that, to learn about it, to find out who their relatives are, you know, um, to learn about their culture, about their language, um, and again, bring that as a celebration to them and as a part of who they are. Well, and as you... Yeah, I, yes, please, go ahead, Sunshine. So sorry. 
um, just when she's talking, it, it brings up this <laughs> energy. Um, you know, these are the discussions, Elaine, that remind folks that Native American history is American history. This is all part of that. And I think that's the part around really recognizing that so we can move forward. We have to acknowledge the painful truths of the past so we can work through the process of forgiveness. Without that, there really can't be that healing. Um, and so as Julian's talking, it's just, you know, it really resonates that this is how we create an equitable and inclusive future. This is how we really move the needle towards the direction that we are all talking about and take it from this theoretical framework to to a reality. So, mm. sorry, I just... I, no, and I, and I think it's so important as you both are talking because we're also talking about the truthful history that comes from Indigenous people themselves, not uh, a history that was... Um, the, well, to use a better, I, mean, I guess, whitewashed, um, that wasn't really the true history. And I think that's why it's so important for you as two women representing two, well, different tribes, different parts of the of the country, knowing that there's, what, 570? Is that what you said, <laughs> Sunshine? That's a lot, right? And each one may have their own language, their own cultures, their own traditions. And I think it's also important for our listeners to know that and to acknowledge that that not every tribe is the same, right? And not every tribe has the same customs, even though there can be some threads because we all are humans. Um, But I think that living history is so important. So thank you for for bringing that out. And that kind of, and that brings me to my next question that I have for both of you. And um, can you share with us your journey of what has inspired you to do the work you are passionate about in the world? And this time I'm going to go with Julene first, and then I'll go to Sunshine second. So what, how, what inspired you? You know, Julian, I've been so impressed by hearing you speak and you're a, you're a wonderful teacher and you're so committed to um, the Pasquayaki tribe as well as your own. So what has inspired you on this journey? For me, it's service, service to my relatives. Um, growing up, um, learning from my grandmother, learning from my mom and, you know, all my relatives that, you know, as Indigenous people, service is actually held very high. It's a very high esteem. It's something that um, is very honorable. And learning that, you know, through, you know, my family and our culture and our traditions, you know, the first is last and the last is first. And just like really living that and being a servant. And so the first is last and the last is first. Yes. So this yes. is this is a, a statement from your culture. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Yes. And and just knowing like when you're, you know, say at a, an event, you know, to be a servant to others, to welcome others, you know, and you may be that first person there to help set up or whatever, but you let everybody go first before you. And just always trying to keep that in mind of, you know, and knowing that all these people are somehow related to me in some fashion, <laughs> you know, because that's how we are as natives. <laughs> you know, we are, we're relatives to each other. And, you know, just wanting to have that servanthood, you know, and living it, not just talking it, but living it and, you know, modeling these different things. And especially, you know, for my children, you know, wanting them to have those qualities, those family values, um, instilled into them and you know hopefully that rubs off on other people as well yes and so how about for you sunshine what what has inspired you to do the work that you do in the world so um 
for me, um, it goes back to a, a very tender age. So my father is a native veteran. And so I grew up with a mental illness and, and addiction, probably from a very little age, but I didn't have words for that. Um, and so always having a sense of knowing that there was, there was, a need, there was pain, right, or a sense of, of need for healing, that awareness and and I think even from a small age, having that spirit of service that Jolene talks about of how can I help? How can I make this better? How can I, how can I support? Um, and then ultimately, as a young person, I remember being about 17 years old when I, when I first started dealing with my own challenges, um, with my own mental health. And at that time, I remember very clearly my very well-intended mom praying for me, my very well-intended mom offering me different, you know, integrative medicines, which are all part of the journey and process. But at that time, me really not feeling understood or witnessed and, and feeling very alone. And not until um, I went away to school and was able to get what we would call traditional or non-Western treatment, was I better able to understand what was happening, not just for myself, but really about this cycle of intergenerational, transgenerational trauma. And I say this from a place of strength and resilience, but also knowing that part of, part of the journey is having spaces where you can feel accepted um for who you are and who you are not for what you know and what you don't know and so that really for me is the foundation of of why I get up every day why I rise I think of the community that I serve as it's almost like my sponsors right my sponsors in wellness my yes. sponsors in well-brighty my sponsors in healing I never want a young person or a family to endure some of the struggles and the challenges and the sufferings that I have known because of lack of access, lack of access to care. So, you know, for me, this work is about ensuring that your zip code never, never determines what your health status looks like that because you don't have gas or you can't drive an hour, that that doesn't really stop you from getting access to treatment and healthcare. So, so for me, it's really about opening different doors, right? Different doors for different communities in which the language is spoken, the, the understanding is there that there's a, a cultural respect. And, and it really comes from my own foundational space of, of being that little girl who, who knew that, that more was needed in the community and wanting to ensure that my daughter, my grandchildren that are not yet here, um, never have to have those same challenges. And but. so although I, I know you both are working hard in your own communities to bring in wellness skills that really can address some of the mental health challenges that you are seeing in your communities, so that um, accessibility that you're talking about um, sunshine that you didn't have. Do you see that through the work that you both are doing that there's more accessible for people to get help in your communities than you saw, let's say, when you were children? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I think the power of what we're doing right now is like destigmatizing, decolonizing uh, the conversations and not going from a place of, you know, what happened to you, but what is happening and how can we really support you in this journey, right? And, it, and that unpackaging is tremendous. And I think the work Jolene's doing in the community, it's about, it's about creating an infrastructure that's grassroots from the ground up. It's a, it's a different kind of support piece. Yeah. And, and would you say that to be true too, um, Jolene? 
Yes, definitely. Um, in the work that I'm doing here, um, working with the community, um, you know, a lot of the things that we do is strength-based. It's community-based. Um, we go to the elders before anything, um, you know, get permission from elders. We incorporate language. We incorporate uh, a lot of the cultural things um, that they do teachings. Um, so we are very uh, cautious and aware and um, intentional. I think it's the word I want to use in the work that we do in bringing um, a lot of these things to our families. And, you know, and it's true, like there are so many things that we are doing here that I never had access to as a youth or a child. And we're just, really standing in the gaps, finding where the gaps are and standing in those gaps, um, you know, for families so that they can have that safety, that they can um, grow, you know, and then even uh, destigmatizing a lot of those um, mental health, uh, you know, things that come up within the, the family you know. systems. Yeah. yeah. So I can see that you're both bringing um, about awareness in a different way. And so that brings me to my next question is how, you know, you said a little bit about this already, but I would love for you to expound a little bit more on it is how has the teachings of your people influenced your perspectives as one who brings healing to your community? I mean, you both have shared the the healing, you know, a bit about the healing practices from, um, from your heritage. And I know there might be some that you cannot share, but others might, you might be able to share with us. So um, I'll go to uh, Sunshine first this time. Yeah, so I think the biggest framework difference is transitioning from a Western model to um, an indigenous model of healing is, is not about disease management. It's not about symptom management. It's, it's about healing and returning to the center, right, to our true center of that journey and for me, that sentiment of healing is is about opening communication around the isms, um, really talking about the truth, the good, the bad, the ugly, forgiveness, the understanding. Um, and so I think that really influences the framework. And, and I think Julian touched on this. It's like decolonizing, decolonizing some of that knowledge and that stigma and realizing the roots of some of those pieces. Um, so for me, that that process really just starts with being aware, aware of community, aware of the fact that you're not just treating the person in front of you, that you're working with their family, their family system, but not just family system, community as they define it, um, and the natural resources and strengths that they bring in. And there has to be space for all of that if we want to promote healing. It's very much defined by individual and community. Well, and it sounds like, too, that, that your strength-based approaches that both of you have are very important. Because, I mean, when we were preparing for the talk, one of the things that we, we, we touched upon was that sometimes during Heritage Month, it's all the horrible things. Mm-hmm. And yes, there is that in terms of what you said, is not avoiding and knowing about the heritage and the true history. But then, you know, I think you said it, Julene, but there's things happening right today, right, that are, are about healing and bringing our strength, our resources, helping your children and children now being um, uh, taught about your language and customs in in a very strength-based way and how important that is right now. It has always been important, but it wasn't always allowed. I mean, there were even laws, right, that were passed that you were not supposed to practice your cultural traditions that 
that, of course, thank goodness, has changed over the times, but not so recently that that might have been something that you both were impacted by, and certainly your your um, your elders were impacted by. So, in terms of this question to you, Julian, is there something more you'd like to say about how the teachings of your people have influenced your perspectives? You shared a little bit already, but is there more that you'd like to say? Um, yeah, so um, growing up, you know, um, with my grandmother, like, kind of more or less sharing, like, you got to live in two worlds. Um, you know, you have the world of your culture and your language, and but then you're going to go to school and you're going to be like, you know, in this whole other new world, I guess you can say, in her perspective, and learn how to navigate that world as well but also taking all of those wonderful teachings and um, all the good things that have been passed down and having that as strength, you know, and so really kind of walking like in between and, you know, knowing how to navigate, you know, the new world, as my grandmother said, and then as a traditional world and, you know, bringing the two together and to help others to make sense of it. Um, and then being able to be that ambassador as well. And, you know, because there are times families, you know, may not have the education or may not have the understanding um, of this new world. And so bringing those things, concepts to them in a way that they can understand in the way that does make sense to them, um, you know, and language, you know, could be a barrier. Education can be a barrier. Um, socioeconomics can be a barrier. You know, all those different things, but really just trying to, you know, again, stand in the gap and to help those to understand um, to for their care, you know, and their health. Well, and as you're talking to, I, I, I kept on thinking of the word communication, how important it is as, you know, as your own children, and maybe we can talk a little bit more about that after the, the break, is um, they're going into a world where certain things are being taught, and yet there's an oral history and a, a cultural history that you are teaching the children, and they may not match. And yeah. so then, in here we're we're taught to respect teachers, for example. And what if the history of your family is very different than what is being taught in the textbooks? Um, and I think we've been having a lot of conversation with, about that nationally, about how do we teach the truth. And then what is the truth, right? But if we've left out, you know, a very important part of, of truth sayers that actually live through the experience, how are we bringing this to our children so that they can understand, um, you know, what's happened in our country, right? And how, because I think if we don't understand also sometimes what happened, it's kind of like the trauma-informed way, what happened, then we can't go to the next part about, okay, let's, let's really bring out those strengths. So it's kind of like they both have to happen. I don't know if you both agree with that statement that I just made, but it, it makes sense to me that you almost have to acknowledge one in order yeah. to be able to fully live with the strength, because otherwise you have the, the, the mistruths that are kind of like a, you know, a backpack on your back that you can never quite get off because it hasn't been the accurate truth. Yeah. It's like a secret, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pushed secret. under the carpet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and secrets don't allow for, for healing because without the secret be transforming into truth, you don't have that forgiveness. And without that forgiveness, that understanding and that processing, you can't really have that healing. And I think that also creates a space where folks feel invisible. They're not affirmed. 
Um, they're not seen, they're not witnessed. And, and there's an incredible danger in being invisible. I think that's so important what you just stated. And I, I hope that we're going to take a little break right now and we come back. We'll talk more about the work specifically some of the work that you've been doing and why you've chosen certain ways to work with your people and how um, you both believe that having a certain focus may be a very important thing, not only for your own tribes and the tribes that you work with, but maybe for everyone in the world. Who knows? We'll, we'll talk more about that, but I want your, more, more of the wisdom that comes from, from your perspective. So uh, we will be back in couple of minutes, and we will be talking more to Juline Jose and Sunshine Serrano about their wisdom about bringing healing into the world. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma-informed and resiliency-focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine miller Karras book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models, is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at elaine at resiliencywithin.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Elaine miller Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. This is Elaine Miller-Karras with Resiliency Within, and my guests today are 
Julene Jose and Sunshine Serrano. And right before the break, we were talking about, um, Julene shared with us kind of the two worlds that her grandma shared with her about the world of their culture and their traditions and then the new world that they might have to, that they were going to be dealing with when they went to school. And uh, Julene, you had shared a story with me about your daughter. And I'm wondering, would you be willing to share that story? Because I think that's so illustrative of of how of what you've had to do to navigate these two worlds. Yes, thank you. So my daughter was in third grade, um, and she is now in seventh grade. Um, but she had done a, um, they were doing some reports on different people in the world. And uh, one of the things they were learning about history was the El Conquistadors. And so the El Conquistadors, there was a particular one um, and we did some, you know, research on it and we were alert. So she did this whole, you know, report on it. And when she went into her room, uh, she talked about how these conquistadors, that's what they did. They conquered. And so our people were some of the people that they, you know, had conquered, um, and there's a reason why a lot of us have last names of um, Mexican descent or Spanish descent as first names because that's whoever we were, fell under that home of, whoever that person is. So that's why my last name is Jose, which is my married name. Um, so my husband was under somebody, Jose, and my maiden name is Ramon. Um, and so as we were, as she shared her story of how, you know, there was the genocide and that they had done all these awful things to our people and her as a Thanatham youth speaking that truth, her teacher basically said, you know, we don't want to share this. This is something of an opinion. And you need to, you know, she didn't get a good grade because it wasn't fact. And so it was just like, wait a minute, like all this information we found out, you know, was through not only families, but, you know, through, you know, looking it up, doing our own research. And she had one student who was like, that's true. I know my mom was telling me about that. And, you know, that student was not Native, but, you know, just speaking those truths. And so, you know, of course, we went through the principal's office. We went through all these different things that I had to defend my child. And we were very proud of her, you know, and bringing that awareness. But it was almost like that teacher didn't want that truth to come. Yeah. Yes. Because so did then. The, or did the principal, did they apologize for they, what had happened didn't. to your daughter? Yes, they did an apology. Um, they also raised her grade because I think she had like a D on the assignment or something. And so, you know, she did everything in the rubric of what needed to be done, but it was just that content. So what they ended up doing from there was they sent out like this letter for the next year of kiddos, like, you know, to, I guess they were trying to cover up or not make it so... I don't know what the word is. I want to say gruesome and detail because she did give some pretty <laughs> gruesome detail. details about, yeah. well, the, about the genocide. Right. At the, about the genocide. Yes. yes. And so, you know, me as a parent having to 
help her and guide her. And because she was feeling bad, like she worked really hard on it and then she didn't get a good grade. And do you you think that you being an advocate for her and that they had to recant, do you think that was empowering for her ultimately or not? I really do think it was empowering for her, but not just her, all of my other, you know, um, kids and knowing that their moms got their back and also knowing that, you know, to speak that truth at whatever cost. Um, And and I really... Yes, and so that's so important because that that's what we're talking about regarding the truth. I'm sorry I interrupted you. I want you to finish your thought, but yes. Um, yeah, so at whatever cost, um, because for a long time, you know, we are being taught all these other romanticized, um, I guess, ideas of Native culture and, you know, seeing things through Hollywood eyes and you know, all of that kind of stuff and not really, like you said, acknowledging the things that had happened because if we don't acknowledge those things, then how does healing happen, right? Yeah. How how are my children going to know that truth? And again, it goes back to our last name. Look at our yeah. last name. I mean, that's right. proof right there. <laughs> so I think this actually brings me to my next question, which is suffering, as we know, is what you just described is part of the human experience. But there's also, there's a suffering of what actually happened. And then there's a suffering of saying it didn't. Um, And I, you know, and we have, in terms of the the genocide that happened in Germany, you know, it will never happen again. And then we have something going, that just a few years ago here in our country saying, this didn't happen. And it's a teacher. And that's just, it's a Oh my! It's it, that's a a horrible it's a horrible thing that happened to your daughter, and I just want to acknowledge you here that the courage that you took as her advocate, and also that other people saw that you were standing up for the truth of your people. But if suffering is part of the human experience, you know how to view suffering in light of the teachings that come from your heritage. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to come to Sunshine this time, and Sunshine, if you want to go first about can you t- can you touch upon that? So. Sure. Um, I just want to, I want to honor you, Jolene, and just say that um, very similar, very similarly in California, our kids are asked to do California Indian missions, um, which carries a lot of pain. And so um, it wasn't until walking my son through that journey, did I too have that, that opportunity. So I, I just want to acknowledge that and, and just honor you for stepping in for, for those kiddos. Um but Elaine, in terms of suffering, you know, you and I have talked about it in different capacities. Um, so I have an Ojibwe a spiritual sister. Her name is Cheryl Whitehawk, and she lives in Minnesota. And you and I have shared her teachings. I shared them with you. Um, she taught me the lessons of, of sweet tears and salty tears. And they're all sacred and part of, of the healing process. But they come at different times and for totally different reasons. And for me, they really captured the continuum of my emotions or human emotions. Um, And when I think of that, it's from that sense of suffering through joy. Um, So suffering being on one end and and to joy, but, but what I I think really resonates as we're talking is that suffering is part of the story of, of my family, but it is not the chapter. It's like a chapter. It's not really the comprehensive narrative, right? It's not the whole story, but I believe that that's where some of my greatest gifts have come. So, through suffering and through pain and through salty tears, we learn to recognize and celebrate joy. 
And we learn to honor those moments in such a different way. And it, and it really reminds me of the, of the crim sort of in the zone resiliency. It's like your high zone grows exponentially when you've known suffering because your lowest of your lows then stretches you and you have the highest of the highs. So for me, suffering is kind of like a spiritual stretch. It allows me to be more fully who I am and know who I am by having fully witnessed that. So it's about being in my mind, my body, and my spirit. It's like once you've known the saltiest of those tears, you can recognize the sweetness of those that come in a good way. Thank you for, for, for describing it that way. I often am asked about the word resiliency, and sometimes people think resiliency just means that we're kind of stuck in this positive toxicity. And But I've always felt that it was really doing a deep lean into the suffering, because only that we, when we do that deep lean can we also go, oh, but then there's also this. And I, and I just want to, um, you know, in terms of when we were talking about salty tears and sweet tears, is that when we cry – and in the community resiliency model that I think many of you know that are listening that I helped to develop, we pay attention to tears and we will say, oh, notice the tears, the warmth, the moisture of the tears. And there's tears that come with sorrow that are the salty tears we talk about, right? But then there's the tears that come with joy and gratitude. And although uh, they're, they're moist, but the tears feel and we sense them differently. And when you first told me about, oh, we call that sweet tears, I'm going, oh, I just love that because that's what they feel like, sweet tears. So, uh, Sunshine knows this. Is as I've gone around the world with the community resiliency model, I have shared the sweet tears that originally came from your uh, indigenous friend from Minnesota um, and that teaching. So, oh, I, I love that. Can you say her name again? I want to make sure I don't forget it ever. Yes, her name is Cheryl Whitehawk. Cheryl Whitehawk. Well, I have to somehow meet her someday and thank her for that as yeah. well, Sunshine. So then, you know, Julian, over to you about this whole aspect of suffering. Can you share also your view in light of the teachings that come from your heritage about suffering? I think the biggest thing is um, in our teachings is honoring our ancestors, um, honoring their blood that was shed and really just you know, that blood wasn't shed in vain, like, you know, living, bringing honor to them by living your truth, by walking the talk. Um, And I think that's so important is that, you know, when we're able to see that and, and think about our lifestyle, like, you know, would my answers be approving of what I'm doing right now, you know, like they fought for us to be here and just bringing all of their strength um, into everything, you know, that we do um, and just really bringing honor to them because without them, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. Well, and, you know, as you're you're both are talking, I'm just struck very deeply about that there, that you are, their living legacy, right? You are going forward in bringing the these wonderful words and goodness that you're sharing with us about your strengths and how those strengths come from your heritage. Yes, Sunshine. You know, the, the strength which, which Shalini is talking about, I believe is truly part of our epigenetic story. Like, I, be, I believe that is inside of us. It's the wisdom passed for generations from our ancestors, whether it be be the sweet or salty tears, but these will come with this lessons, right? And 
one of the things um, that I've loved hearing so much recently is African-American women talk about um, a lot lately about black girl magic. Um, and it was a phrase that I, I really appreciated. And as Jolene's talking in my worldview, in my way, I would say that we would call that native girl medicine. Um, Native girl medicine, you know, gifted from our ancestors, our grandmothers, our aunties, our mothers, our wisdom keepers. That really is what we live and breathe. That's 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 my waking breath. Um, And so I just I loved how she captured that. Native girl wisdom. Did I say that right? Native girl medicine. Native native girl medicine medicine okay that, no, i added the wisdom i guess i added the wisdom that's oh native girl medicine is wisdom <laughs> there you go so, you know, in, in terms of like that framing how you've heard that black girl magic i, I sort of yes. think yeah it's it's a, it's a native girl medicine it's 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 a, it's a different way but um but it it kind of resonates in that way to me well so let me go to the i have a couple more questions that i want to ask you i want to make sure we have time for i i both i think that both of you are amazing ambassadors for the community resiliency model you both are community resiliency model teachers you have both shared amazing stories with me about how bringing skills of well-being um that can be integrated very easily into your um your cultural practices and I'm wondering if you each could talk a little bit about that. And I'll start with Julene this time. So uh, as going through the crim, it was like, it just clicked. It was something that made so much sense. It was something that has already, we already do. Um, and already have been passed down, you know, different, uh, different ways to reset our nervous system. But it was just like put in this really pretty package. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this makes so much sense. And it made sense because a lot of it um, is congruent in the teachings um, as a, you know, as a young woman is, you know, caring for yourself, caring for your body. Um, And as we were talking, like the first time I ever heard epigenetics, I didn't understand it. But when somebody said blood memory, I'm like, oh, okay, I know what you mean. Because those are some of those teachings that you were you were being taught, you know. And so, like, it's just put in this other, <laughs> like I said, a pretty package. Um, and it's just something that we already do. We already, you know, go and get to our water. We already go and, you know, seek, you know, wisdom from others. We go and seek prayer we're a praying people as native people we're praying people um and just when crim when i went through the training like i said it just clicked it just totally made so much sense and so something that you can easily bring and teach to others and so i'm wondering sunshine could you maybe elaborate too in terms of how uh your your perspectives about that yeah so um I, I love I love that blood wisdom, blood knowledge. I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow that. That's powerful. Um, so I guess I have to answer it on two levels. So on a professional level, I think the model is really inclusive and affirming of humanity, of our humanness. That that is what makes me love and lean into the model. It's grounded in our body, our our, our humanity, and you can teach the skills to someone, and then they become theirs. 
They don't have to come and see me weekly for a session. They own that. They can evolve that. They can amplify it, change it as they see fit, right? There's something so beautiful about just honoring a person's story and giving that back and, and allowing them to have that sense of agency. On a personal level, on a personal level, it has brought, allowed me to bring my faith and my spirituality um, into my work, but also it's just been such a gift um, to me. And um, so like many of you, we've experienced a lot of grief over the last few years. I lost my father in July of 2019. Um, and ceremony is such a critical element of my healing journey, of, of, of my process through, um, through grief. Um, and it was really, really tough for me to not be able to gather, to not be able to gather, not to be able to, be with community and family and, and really honor my father in, in ways that I would have liked. Um, and so on a personal level, Krim was such a gift for me over COVID um, by being able to take my resources and really amplify them. I remember very distinctly on July, 2020, it was a, a, the year mark of his death anniversary and sitting in my own backyard and smelling the sage and smelling sweet grass and hearing the songs in my mind and feeling the drumbeat in my heart and being able to just hold that and feel that connection. Those are things that Jolene's talking about. It was already in us. We already knew that, but being able to, to have the ability to, to share that, to, put that in a way that bridged the two worlds so that there was a felt sense understanding to have the language that is really for me on a very personal level, what has, has made this a transformational model. Um, and, and when you can, when you can have that experience on a personal level, you can bring it into the professional arena and in, in such a different way. Um, so, so for me, that really is where Krim has lifted up and created space for, like Jolene said, what we already knew, what we were already doing, um, and allowed us to share that, um, with folks that may not always have an ancestor, an elder, an auntie to guide them along the way. So I'm just wondering, um, I have a question for you. I'm going to ask this of you, Sunshine. You know, you shared you have a group of women who have been your support through your life. Can you share with us the importance of this? Yeah, um, but, or not, but, and, you know, when Jolene's talking about her daughter, that little girl whose truth was not being affirmed, who was in a space that wasn't safe, um, that happens to us all throughout the school system. Um, that happened to me, those microaggressions, they're, they're part of what we navigate in the world. And so I was very blessed about 20 years ago, I went to UCLA and I met, I met a group of women who shared that fierce spirit of service and desire to change the community for the communities that we wanted to go home to so that our, our children would know a different way. Um, you realize you can have all the knowledge, education, all the degrees in the world, but it's wisdom that creates change and your, your community, your people, they're who hold you accountable. That's where that real wisdom comes from. And so for me, um, you know, those women are still walking with me today. They, I called them this morning and said, you know, please 
light medicine, pray between 12 and 2 because I want to bring you with me. I'm wearing earrings gifted and a necklace. Um, but what it is is about having a circle. And and for folks who don't live in like tribal lands or who live in urban settings, who don't always have those spaces and places to call home, right? It's so critical to have those spiritual lines, those lifelines to community and people, your, your folks, so that you can continue to be brave, uh, to walk the journey, to feel witnessed and affirmed. And, and for me, that is just part of, of an extended circle um, that continues to honor my ancestors. Thank you. I, I, I'm going to have to have you and all these women on the show sometime. I would love to hear their collective wisdom. My goodness. So, Julene, you share some very um, intimate details about your life. And one of the things was that um, the wellness skills that you've learned through the Community Resilience Model aided in your recovery and maintaining your sobriety. That I'm so, and congratulations, 20 years. So, um, can you say just a little bit about that? Yeah, so again, um, really learning about that resiliency space, that the okay zone, um, and expanding that and learning different skills and just reaching out to the ones that already were known um, and just helping with that reset, you know, in the nervous system has been amazing. Once I learned that, I was like, wow, I can you know, withstand, uh, you know, a possible, what would you call it, you know, wanting to withdraw or, you know, or, you know, wanting to engage again. And um, it's just gotten stronger, you know, and it used to be I have to live minute by minute, you know, maybe 15 minutes by 15 minutes because of the cravings and things like that. But now, because of this model and all of the models you know that I've known like this really just resonated and again helping my nervous system to reset so I can just kind of face whatever's coming at me you know so thank you so much for sharing that too um you know the the community resiliency model for those of you that may not know about it it really does work with the biology of the human nervous system and it is very connected to nature and just as there are windstorms and suffering um, that we experience as human beings, as as nature does, we know that there's ways that we can cultivate our resiliency as well. I cannot believe we are in our final couple of minutes together. So I just want to say for both of you, if people want to get a hold of you and they want to talk with you, um, how would they get in touch with you? I'm going to ask you first, Sunshine. Can you just say how they would get in touch with you? Yes, they can email me at m. Serrano, S-E-R-R-A-N-O at C-H-C-C-C dot org. Um, and I'm happy to connect. All right. And how about for you, Julene? Yes, you can reach me at jjose at pascuayaki, nsn.gov. That is J-O-S-E at P-A-S-C-U-A-Y-A-Q-U-I dash N-S-N dot G-O-V. So thank you so much. Um, Listeners, I think you have heard the wisdom of two very, very wise women who live every day in bringing healing to their communities. You've heard me say before on this show, what else is true? These are two wonderful, amazing living examples of two women that live with not only leaning into their suffering, but also leaning into what else is true about the very richness of their heritage and their tribes and what their 
the wisdom of their heritage continues to give to them. So thank you so much, um, Juline Jose and Sunshine Serrano. And we will have to have you back again because I think we've just started. So thank you for your wisdom. Thank you. And thank you to all your listeners. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within, with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.